You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Genesis chapter 26, verse 15. The Bible says, For all the wells which his father's servant had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. About 100 years ago, 97 years, the best I can tell, Abraham had come to this land and when sojourned there for a while, he dug some wells. Now, a century later, Isaac comes. There's a famine in the land of promise. He goes to this land inhabited by uh, ungodly people. And all those wells his father had dug, the Philistines had filled them with earth. Why would anybody do that? Here, somebody went to all the trouble to dig a well, and there's water, fresh, life-giving, thirst-quenching, beautiful, helpful, healthful water, and somebody stops it up. Ungodly people always do that. They don't build anything, but they're real good at tearing it down. They don't encourage anybody, but they're real good at trying to burst somebody's balloon. And Abimelech, verse 16, said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. And Isaac departed thence, and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham, and he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of it of the well Essek, because they strove with the man. They digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence and digged another well, and for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, for the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about this thought. They can take your well, but they can't take your water. Lord, would you guide me by your spirit to say that, which would accomplish your will and your purpose in the hearts of those of us who are here. I pray that you'd open our hearts to your truth, and I pray that you'd direct me to say just the things you want said. Lord, if there is a person who's not saved, save them tonight. And if there are those of your children that need to apply this truth, and I think there must be many, would you help us to do so? I pray, Spirit of God, that you would direct in every heart that we'd be good ground, willing to respond as you speak. Well, thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaac is prosperous. He has a lot of flocks and herds and cattle and he needs water. Can't survive without water and he's back where his father was and so he digs the same wells that Abraham had dug a hundred years ago. Notice first of all, if you will, the titles of the well. 
They were significant titles. They mean something. He called one of it Essek because they contended over the word. Essek means contention. He called the next one Sitna, which means enmity because they fought with that, for that as well. He called the third one Rehoboth, which means plenty of room because he said they didn't fight with us. We'll have room. We can be here. We can survive in the land. They were significant titles. But wait a minute. They were the same titles. The Bible says he called them after the name by which his father had called them, verse 18. You know, we live in a day when people want to change language. Uh, we live in a day you can be so smart that you're nominated to be the first black woman on the Supreme Court of the United States, but you don't know what a woman is. Well, are we sure she is one? Maybe President Biden didn't keep his promise. People want to change titles, you know. Uh, it used to be they called uh, people who preached, they called them preacher. And then somewhere along the line, people got fancy, and they all wanted to be called reverend. Now, you know the word reverend is in the Bible one time, and it's the name of God. Holy and reverend is his name. If you don't mind, I I'd just rather be brother. You know, everybody's got these doctor's degrees. That's nice. If somebody gives you one, that's a very nice thing, these honorary doctor's degrees. But you know any old pagan can be a doctor? Only a child of God can be a brother. Uh, my dad ran the Detroit Rescue Mission, and they called the people there drunks. Now they're not drunks, they're alcoholics. Or they have a tendency toward addiction. Uh, and we have to change the name. I, I pastored the first Baptist church at Bridgeport. Now, we don't want to be Baptist. We want to be the river or the gathering. Uh, uh, we want to be the rock. Uh, we don't want to use the word Baptist. Uh, as a matter of fact, we don't even want to use the word church. But I read the Bible, and Jesus didn't die for the rock. He didn't die for the gathering. He didn't die for the river, but he died for the church. If you don't mind, I'll use the same titles. And by the way, I'm a Baptist. I'm not a Baptist because that's the brand I prefer. I'm not a Baptist because that's the way I was brought up. I'm a Baptist because I believe Bible doctrine is Baptist doctrine. You know what the Lord Jesus said? He said, until John were the law and the prophets, but now the kingdom of God is preached unto you, and every man presseth into it. He made a distinction between the old and the new covenants in the person and work of John the Baptist. If that doesn't convince you, let me give you one other thought. If you went down to the Catholic Church and got sprinkled by the priest, you would become a Catholic. Very good. If you went to the Lutheran Church, got baptized there, that would make you a if you went to the Methodist church and that lady baptized you, then you would become a... Well, you tell me. Was Jesus baptized by John the Catholic or John the Baptist? I'm a Baptist. Same titles. The Bible calls people who believe in same-sex marriage sodomites. Now, you can call them any old kind of name you want. Some of the names that used to be pejorative, they've adopted for themselves. But boy, they don't like that night, uh, that name. That's a Bible name. But notice the titles. But number two, notice the tendency. Isaac had a tendency toward deference. Deference is defined as giving in to the wants and wishes of others. When I was in college, I took a personality test. Part of a psychology class I was in, I failed. <laughs> the test had a little indicator in it to determine how accurate it was. They asked 
the same question twice with 10 different questions. If you answered the same way six, seven or eight times, it was a pretty accurate test. I answered all 10 questions the same. So mine was a really accurate test. I scored really low in deference. I scored really high in autonomy. The teacher, not knowing my results, just speaking in general, said, now, if you happen to score high in autonomy and low in deference, you won't be here very long. It's not my natural tendency. Our daughter, Carissa, was five before our daughter, Katie, was born. And uh, it's hard to teach an only child to share. She has cousins live across town. Their dad's married to my wife's sister, and, and he has twin girls about nine months, eight months older than Carissa. And uh, one day the twins were coming over. We're practicing with Carissa. And we'd say, now, honey, if Katrina or Christina wants that doll, you want to give it to them, you want to be nice, you want to share. And we practice. And I'd say, okay, I'm, I'm Katrina. I want that doll. And Carissa would smile. And she'd hand it over and she'd say, you can have it. She did so well in practice. <laughs> Then the twins came over, and we're out in the other room playing Rook. I think that's Baptist Bridge. I'm not sure. And, and we heard, no, it's mine. You can't have it. I walked down the hallway. Krista, what did we practice? <sighs> you can have it. Here's what Isaac did. He dug out a well that his father had dug that they had stopped up. And as soon as the water was flowing again, they wanted it. And they took it. And he said, you can have it. He dug another well. Another well that his father dug that they had stopped up. He went to all the work. He and his servants got all the dirt and the rubble and the stones out of there till the water was flowing clear and clean again. And as soon as he had it done, they came by and said, hey, that's ours. We want that. He said, you can have it. Why? Well, because Isaac was a wimp. Sissy. No. As a matter of fact, I read the verse. Abimelech said, go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. Isaac wasn't afraid. Isaac wasn't unable to defend himself. Isaac just decided he didn't need to fight about that. The stuff we fuss about and fight about is so silly. You may someday build another building or, you know, this building's beautiful, but you may decide to update and redecorate it. And, and I know your pastor will be wiser than to allow you to vote on whether you have red or blue. Dumb stuff. The Sunday school class we got, the parking spot that I always had that somebody took. Somebody's sitting in my seat. I was preaching years ago in Roanoke, Virginia. There was an evangelist in the church. I'd vaguely heard of him, didn't know him. I chatted with him, met him before the service, and he just started talking. He said, yeah, I was preaching at church on Sunday. I was preaching to morning service, but not Sunday school. And I was sitting there in the auditorium, and a man came up, and he said, you're sitting in my seat. The evangelist said, I said to him, I don't see your name on it. And the man said, well, I always sit there. And the evangelist said, I told him, you're not sitting there today. And then the evangelist said this to me. He said, you should have seen his face when I got up to preach. Yeah, I bet he really experienced revival. I, I said to the evangelist, well, imagine what his response would have been if you had graciously allowed him to have that seat. And then you got up to preach and he said, oh, I never thought of that. 
See, that's our trouble. We never think of that. Think about what you fuss about in your home. Your husband perpetually brings his dirty boots across the kitchen floor right after you clean it. Okay, ladies, I got a question. I'm not saying he ought to do that. But how long does it take to wipe that up? Well, how long did the argument last? Huh? Your husband walks in the door and begins shedding articles of clothing, and there's a trail of it all the way into the bedroom. He does that so you can find him if you want to know where he is. Men are strange. They're, they're strange. Women are strange too. Women, there's something genetically embedded in women. I'll tell you what a woman is. A woman is somebody who does this. She thinks that every little nook and cranny in the automobile must have something in it. Straw wrappers, tissues. Waste paper's got to be in the pockets of the handle. It's got to be in the glove box. It's got to be in the side things of the car. Women are strange creatures too. They treat the car and the garage just like, like, like we treat the rest of the house. <laughs> Isaac said, it's all right. Because here is the truth. I showed you the titles. We talked about the tendency. I want you to get this truth, and here's the heart of the message. Isaac knew something. They could take all the wells they want, but there was still more water. They could take an individual well, but he could dig another hole and he could get some water because the water ran under the ground. Now, let me tell you what happens in life. People are all the time taking our wells. Can I say COVID took a lot of people's wells? And life takes people's wells. You had a hard time at work. You've had a rough patch in your marriage. You've had some financial difficulties. You've had some dissension with a neighbor or somebody in the church. And, and you're just not happy. And you're not walking in the spirit. And you're not as excited about the Christian life as you were. Somebody took your well. But you could dig another one. You know what revival is, maybe? Revival is quit living in the barrenness and in the dryness and just dig another well. I went to uh, First Baptist Church of Bridgeport in 1975. Came there in May. In October of that year, we showed a film on Friday and Saturday called Thief in the Night. It was about the Lord's return. And uh, there was a guy in Virginia that it said the Lord was going to come back and even named the date. It was going to be on one of the days we're showing that film. But I didn't believe the Lord was coming back then, but I thought it was interesting. So I called all the newspapers, radio stations, television stations, and I got on the new news on the NBC affiliate in Saginaw, Michigan. Wow. But I found out why. The guy thought I was saying that Jesus was going to come back while we were watching the film. He thought he had a live one. Now, Pastor, I understand something special is supposed to happen during the film. I said, oh, no, no, we're not saying that. This guy in Virginia said that. We just thought it was kind of interesting. We packed the building out Friday night. We packed it out Saturday night. We had about a dozen people saved. One of them was a couple, a family, young family. And, and, and I talked to them. I said, man, I'm glad you guys have come. And I'm so excited you got saved. I talked to them about baptism. And they agreed. I talked to them on Saturday or Friday night. And they're going to come back on Sunday and get baptized. 
and they didn't come. I went by to see him. He said, well, I went to work on Saturday at the shop. And he said, I worked with a guy from First Assembly, and I told him I'd gotten saved. And he said, oh, the Baptists are really good about getting people saved, but they don't have all of the Holy Spirit. Don't you let anybody tell you that. The Bible says, if any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. You were indwelt with the Spirit of God the moment you believed. Now, you can be filled with the Spirit. You can walk in the Spirit, but you're always indwelt by the Spirit. And he said, I went to his church and joined it. First Assembly had a big building. We had a crummy little building. We had a nice piece of property. We had a small piece of property. And I thought, good night. I went on the television. I made an idiot of myself. I showed the film. And they stole that family. They stole my well. When I came to Saginaw in 1975, there was a thing called a welcome wagon. A, a little thing would go, people would go around and they'd welcome you. They'd give you little gifts from the merchants and advertisements. Uh, we don't have a welcome wagon now. When I went to the population, it was about 100,000. Now it's under 50,000. We just wave goodbye. But the lady from the welcome wagon called me back a few days after she visited my wife and I, and she said, hey, I'm not supposed to do this, but, but another family just moved into town, and they're Baptists, and you're Baptist, and you're just here, and I thought you might want to go see them. And she gave me the address of Don and D. Workman, and I drove right over there. They're still getting the boxes out of the garage, and I found out they were Baptists, they were saved, they were independent, fundamental Baptists, and I said, oh, man, this is great. I'm glad I met you. Why don't you visit our church? You just came here. I just came here. He said, said, oh, we already know where we're going to church. I said, you do? Where are you going to church? He said, we're going to such and such a church. I said, that's a good church. I said, how did you decide already to go there? Oh, he said, when we knew we were moving here, we wrote to the sword of the Lord. And we asked them for a good church in the area. That church at that time was pastored by Dr. Jack Hyle's son-in-law. I drove away. I thought, good night. I was there first. I went to see him. That other church didn't do anything. I canceled my subscription to the sword of the Lord. I burned every book in my library by John Rice. They took my well. Dick Snavely pastored a church in Findlay, Ohio. It was growing. People were being saved. And somebody didn't like what was going on. And an arsonist burned his building down. He thought, we'll show them. We'll stop what's going on there. And Dick Snavely, before the next Sunday, found a school auditorium that he could use. And he put a big ad in the paper on that Saturday in Findlay, Ohio. And he said this, Build the churches don't burn, buildings burn. Calvary Baptist Church will be meeting at such and such a school on Sunday. And the church kept growing and they kept seeing people saved. And some people said he was better there than when they moved back in the building. Hey, somebody took his well. But he didn't let him take his water. You come to a meeting like this and God works and you're happy and everything's great. And tomorrow at work, some first class, double barreled, triple stitch jerk will take your well. You'll have a message on their phone when you get out of here that'll this whoosh all of that enthusiasm and all that excitement and all the joy just disappears. They can take your well, but they can't take your water. 
Gary Wilkin left our church, went off to Bible college, went to Standish, Maine, didn't know a soul there, started a church. For the first year, nobody came to any evening service except him and his wife and his boys. I would never have done what he did. People came in the morning. Nobody came at night. Nobody on Sunday night. Nobody on Wednesday night for a year. I think I would have had family devotions and gone home. Brother Wilkins had the full service. Every Sunday night and every Wednesday night for a year, <clears throat> he led the singing. His boys took the offering his wife gave. <laughs> he preached a sermon. He gave an invitation. Finally, after about seven or eight years of meeting in the Kiwanis Hall. It was an L-shaped building. And uh, I would preach there in the corner. You got one crowd here, one crowd here. You could have a church split and nobody had to leave. <laughs> Finally, they bought a piece of property. Finally, they built a beautiful New England-style building. And finally, they were able then to run buses. He bought a couple buses. And somebody who hated the bus ministry burned both of his buses up. They've been so excited. They've been so looking forward to it. Somebody took their well. He got a call from the school board. Now, if you know anything about New England, it is not warm and friendly and open like we are in the South. You can live there 20 years and they'll call you that new guy. But he got a call from the chairman of the school board. He said, we understand somebody burned a couple of your buses, yes. He said, well, we just, we got a couple we're getting rid of. We'd like to give them to you, but... We really can't do that. Would you like to buy them for a dollar? Gary Wilkins bought the buses for a dollar, had better buses than he had before, got $1,700 from the insurance company, had money in the bank. Yeah, somebody took his well, but nobody could take his water. Can I tell you the Lord Jesus is the water of life? Can I tell you that he can be accessed at any time? Can I tell you that you can be revived and refreshed by moving to the water of life? It doesn't matter how many times somebody takes your well. Nobody can take your water. a preacher friend named Golden Blount. Golden Blount built the Down River Baptist Temple in uh, Detroit, Michigan. Maybe Down River Baptist Church, but they had a split. And they left maybe 30 or 40% of the people to pay the bills that all the people voted to incur. And he lost the building. So embarrassing, such a bad testimony. He found a little building and the people that stayed with him met there, but it was hard. It was kind of grim. They were sort of just hanging on. And he was always thinking, how could they do that? How could they do that to the cause of Christ? How could they do that to the name of the Lord Jesus? How could they do that to that church? And he was sitting one day down by the Detroit River reading his Bible he was reading through Job, and he came at the very end of the book of Job, where the Bible says that God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Those friends we talk about Sunday morning, the critical friends, the accusatory friends. Golden Blanc got a hold of that verse, and he made a list of all those people. All the ones who had opposed him, all the ones who had attacked him, all the ones who had criticized him, and he began to pray for him every day. It was hard at first. 
But after a while, I began to pray for them genuinely, sincerely, wanting God to bless them, caring about them, desiring to see God's goodness in their life. And you know, about that time, people started getting saved and the church started growing. And when I met him in the last days of his life, he was happy. And on top of things, somebody took his well. Nobody could take his water. Oh, by the way, I live to see today, First Baptist Church of Bridgeport had the biggest building and the most property and the largest attendance of any church in town and wouldn't have traded for what they had in First Assembly of God. And I live to see today, we we're having beat the devil Sunday, trying to have 667 in Sunday school. We had 823 that day and Don and D. Workman visited and they were so impressed with what God was doing. They joined the church that evening, stayed there until they moved because of a job down to Texas. Hey, somebody took my well. No way. They could take my water. Curtis Hudson, second editor of the Sword of the Lord, great preacher, good friend of mine. That cancer was dying. He would preach one last big meeting. Now, he lived a few months after that, but this last big meeting he'd preach. Southside Baptist Fellowship, Charlotte, North Carolina, Northside Baptist Church. Johnny Stansel called me up and said, hey, we're going to rent a big bus to take the black horse. That's what he called Dr. Hudson, the black horse. From Murfreesboro to Charlotte, nice bus like the country singers travel in. He said, would you like to help? We were trying to raise some money. I said, sure. And I gave him the money he wanted. And he said, would you like to ride the bus? I said, I'd love that. I flew down to Nashville. They picked me up, took me to Dr. Hudson's house. We got on the bus. He would never say that he was in pain. He'd say, I'm just a little bit sore. His teeth were falling out. He didn't get off the bus when we stopped to eat. If he just crossed and uncrossed his leg, I watched him when he thought everybody was sleeping except him and everybody was except him and me. He just moved his leg a little bit. He pulled his lips tight against his teeth just to move his leg. I had to go get a car to get to my next meeting, but the family saved a seat for me. Dr. Hudson got up to preach. He said, before I preach, I want to sing. And his daughter Donna came to the piano and he sang a song you sing here. Well, I'm on the winning side. No, he didn't. He sang, well, I'm on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. And then he preached. He preached things that are different or not the same. He was on. He was sharp. He said, King James Bible, not the same as the new translations. He said, soul winning, not the same as friendship evangelism. He said, independent Baptist, not the same as the Southern Baptist Convention. He said, fundamentalism, not the same as evangelicalism. He preached, and he was talking about that. He said, Bob Jones Sr. is the first evangelist to join the National Association of Evangelicals. And there was kind of a mixed crowd. There were some people there who didn't really like Dr. Hudson. One of them said, amen. And he stopped and he said he was the first one to leave when it went bad too. Say amen again. <laughs> wow. Got all done preaching. He said, my precious children have been so sweet. Oldest daughter, Sherry, came and said, Daddy, I hate to talk like this. We have to talk. 
You die, if the Lord takes you home, what do you want on your grave marker? He said, I told her on one side, put the plan of salvation, I'll write it for you, he said. I've been to that grave, there's a big marker, and there's the gospel engraved on one side of that stone, and an invitation for the sinner to pray and ask Jesus to be a Savior. He said on the other side, put the last two stanzas of there is a fountain filled with blood, and then he said, I'm going to sing them for you if I can. And he's saying, if there since by faith, I saw the stream thy flowing wounds supply. Redeeming love will be my theme and shall be till I die. And then he's saying, when this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, then in a sweeter, nobler song, I'll sing thy power to save. And we sat there and wept unashamedly to see that great man dying of cancer, his strength depleted, his body ravaged, but his spirit undiminished. Yeah, they took his well, but no way they could take his well. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.